Okay, everybody. Uh, welcome to episode number 68. We, we just talked about that. Yeah. It was 68. It's impressive. Uh, yeah. We're, I'm getting close to 100. That's right. Um, 60, episode 68 of the John Riley Project, and I am very pleased to have as my guest this evening Rancho Bernardo author Steve Dow. Thank you, John. It's really it's a pleasure to be here. Yeah. Thank it's you. Fantastic. So, um, you know, you, you came out with a new book. And, um, you know, we're anxious to learn more about the book. And, sure. and the book, I know, is about Trump and the 2016 election. Mm-hmm. And, you know, before we really dive into that, um, maybe you could tell us a little bit about yourself. You know, what led you to this point and a little bit about your backstory. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll point out, like, as far as the book goes, you know, <laughs> I, I, I basically am a citizen and a voter. That's as far as the – That's what it says right there yeah, on the back. Yeah, that, that's kind of all that I thought was applicable to the book. <laughs> Uh, but my my background's pretty varied. I'm uh, I was born in Philadelphia, early '70s. Grew up in New Jersey. Uh, went to college at Villanova University. Oh yeah, Wild, right on. Wildcat basketball. Yeah, yeah. Um, I remember the 1985 Final Four. They uh, won it all. Oh, I that do was, too. That was a huge upset. Over you know, it. my father went there too. So I, this is I, Villanova was like in my blood growing up. Nice. I was praying. I, I like it was a. Time out, and I ran to my room, and I was like praying for this miracle thing to happen. Was it was, Raleigh Massimino? Oh yeah, and oh, yeah. Uh, and then the other team was Patrick Ewing, right? And yeah, it's funny. The next year, my brother and sister are twins. One went to Villanova, one went to Georgetown. Oh, so no. this this rivalry <laughs> in the family. Actually, you know, my sister really didn't care to be honest with you, okay. but my brother egged it on a little bit. Cool, but yeah. So um, yeah, after after that, I guess I graduated ninety five. Went to got my job. So okay, I became a civil engineer. That was my degree. Okay, at Villanova. I minored. I had a minor in. Um, it's actually called Peace and Justice. It was a humanities uh, minor. Yeah, cool. And uh, I anyway, I, I became a um, civil engineer uh, contractor for a little bit. I worked for a contractor in D.C., helping them manage their construction projects. I mm-hmm. uh, met my soon-to-be wife, Gabriella Dow, mm-hmm. who's been a guest here yeah she's fabulous yeah she is thank you (laughs) and uh so we lived in dc for a little while we were just dating and uh she wanted to move out to san diego i wanted to move out to san diego so i took a little gamble coming but figured it would be okay and it turned out great so that was 97 got married um we now have two great kids you know two boys 14 and 12 um professionally i've I've done yeah, – I'm a civil engineer by trade. So yeah. I went back. I got my MBA at San Diego State. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've done a whole bunch of different things. But for about probably the last 10, 15 years, I've, um, I've done like program controls, uh, procedures manual, uh, manuals, procedures development for different school districts on their bond programs. Oh, wow. Wow, interesting. Yeah. yeah. I enjoy it. I mm-hmm. enjoy it. So anyway, um, but – as you can maybe tell, so I had that engineering component to myself in college. I also had this peace and justice component, which, you know, it's funny. I remember graduating, talking to my uncle, who was like a trader, and uh, he was giving me advice about getting jobs. And he's like, hey, you might want to, mar- you know, not mention peace and justice. You know, that sounds a little <laughs> hippie-ish, you know. So I think I changed it to humanities degree. It was a humanities yeah, degree, but for the resume. But yeah, yeah. but but nonetheless, that's always been a part of me. I've always of cared about that, yeah, and yeah. Uh, and I've in the humanities part. I've always, I, I think I've got like a pretty practical side, engineering wise, and I've I 
I care about a lot of these other issues and, and I, I try to be creative and writing has always been something I've loved. You know, I, um, written music and, and, uh, and when I've gotten older with the kids getting a little bit older, I've tried to make a little bit more time to do some writing. So I've been working on a project and then I would periodically, you know, watch the news and find something that really, I felt like, man, I got to, Whatever I have in my head, I want to get that out. You know, yeah. whether or not anybody reads it or not, for me, is like a uh, cathartic, cathartic, whatever the word is, and forgive me, but um, it, it was good for me to just get that out. So I've done that for a couple things. And then this book ended up, it was just going to be another one of those type of articles. And it ended up being this very free-flowing two weeks of me just kind of mind-dumping what I felt. Yeah. And, uh, it was it was longer than an article would be, but it's like it was like a flow of consciousness. Yeah, it's kind of how it felt. Yeah. yeah, it was it was. I mean, it's a small book. It's almost like I'd say it's a pamphlet slash small book, but I think it's important, and uh, so I did it. I, I think it's awesome you did it. I mean, it I takes can. a lot of guts to come out with a with a book, but now you're a published author. Got a little street cred right there. Right? Maybe, maybe <laughs> we'll see. But that's great. I mean, yeah, thanks. Um, so. This is was this building, uh, like did you feel it like this like this sense that you needed to express yourself, you needed to to get it out there? Did it had it been building over time, or did something happen in the early part of this year? Yeah, no. Well, it's funny. I you know, as so I'm 46. You know, and we have younger kids now. So mm-hmm. you know, my experience is as I'm growing, I'm you know, I'm start you know, not to be morbid about it, but you start to think, okay, hey, I'm not here forever. Yeah. yeah. You know, what do you want to leave behind? What do you so? That's it, why I'm doing the podcast. Yeah, no, I believe it. You know, life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness, yeah, right? Yeah. I saw that, and that's true. It's, But it's, like, very much just like you, you know, I'm recognizing that I'm not here forever. I want to I wanna say whatever I want to say. I want to say yeah, it. Yeah, right know? on. Whether or not people pick it up or not, I, I'm going to say it. And maybe my kids or grandkids will read it. Actually, I brought something else later. I have something from my great, 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 great grandfathers and stuff where they had written down some stuff and it's been really? pretty neat because you mentioned on another podcast that you got into the ancestry stuff yeah right? that's a big like project of mine. yeah yeah, I, yeah. I've, I've we've got that in common too i think nice but um anyway it feels so good for me to have those things so i figured i, I wanted to kind of capture some thoughts yeah so that's kind of been the case for a couple you know bigger issues i've been thinking about and then like i say some of these issues come up you know in the news and and this is one that, you know, um, I want to be kind of nuanced how I talk about this book because I feel like when people say, hey, here's a book about Trump, it's either a trash Trump book <laughs> yeah. or it's a Trump's a God book. Yeah. And, um, you know, I tried to put something together there. But to, to answer your, back to your question, yes, it's been building up. Yeah. Uh, like lots of other things I've been thinking yeah, about. Yeah, I want to yeah. kind of get out what I'm thinking um, but yes, this has been building up even before he got elected. Um, but yeah, I, I want, it, it's a, it's a book and, and I felt like it needed to be written. Forgive me. Pull me back in if no, I start no, swaying. No, no, Well, t- tell the audience the title. Of it. Okay. I'm sorry. Yeah. So it, it is called 15 reasons people voted for Trump in 2016 and why these don't apply in 2020. Yeah, show it like next to your, your face there. So there you because go. it's on a zoomed in camera. Okay. There. Okay. There you go. All, All right. right. So yeah. So, Awesome. Yeah, thanks. So um, what I was trying to do with this is is um, recognize that a lot of people that voted for Trump are really cool, great people. Oh, yeah, and absolutely. I, and, and I feel like a lot of what's been lost in the news is um, 
that. I think that has been lost. I, I think the idea is that if you voted for Trump, you're a misogynistic pig, you're a racist, and and it and oh. it's it's hard because like you know, bluntly, he said some pretty racist things and misogynistic. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yes. I mean, the argument is there, but I, I specifically in this book did not really want to go into that because partly turn on the news and you'll see it. Like it, there's enough people writing about that. I wanted to kind of hone in on. You know, I, you know, the past is the past, and this is maybe like a little bit of the practical side of me. 2016 happened, and you know, between now and 2020, we can is the only time we can do anything about this, as far as you know, me trying to influence people or, or have people, you know, have some of these thoughts. So I specifically was just trying to look, like, from a practical standpoint, of those people who aren't racist, misogynist, misogynist pigs, which, <laughs> you know. Yeah, you know, there might be some of those out there, and and you know everything has gotten so distorted and irrational. It, well, it's either yeah. this or this, and and it's yeah. very rarely this or this. It's usually something like well, that's how in between the, the narrative is played out, yeah. and how the manipulation of society is played out. That how people are in these extreme teams. Yeah, I mean, we should talk about that because it, it, it's uh, it's. It's an. I mean, bluntly, I think it's like an existential threat, and I, I don't think that's something that's overstated. I mean, it, if we can't figure out how to just talk to people civilly again, and um, you know, just look at the core issues and yeah. like give people the benefit of the doubt, um, you know, and this is on the both sides thing because you know I, I've heard, you know, AOC is this crazy commie, whatever. <laughs> she seems really cool. She seems like a really cool woman, smart. You know, she might have ideas that differ than yours or my or, you know, whomever. But these are human beings, you know, and, and um, that also gets lost on people. You know, I do think, you know, potentially, you know, part of what I talk about in this book is Trump and, and the and the um, narcissistic personality disorder that people talk about with him. And yeah. he does seem to kind of check the boxes. And but there you know, there are other people, too, that check those boxes in politics and. I think, I think that's true when people talk about, hey, these people are narcissists. I'm sorry, well, a lot of these people are narcissists, but they're not all narcissists. Is my point, narcissists. They're not all narcissists. They're not all there just for power. Uh, a lot of these people truly care, and they're trying to do the right thing. They just might have a perspective that's a little bit different than someone well, that, else's. A lot of people have often said that all politicians are narcissists. To a degree. Perhaps. Yeah. And then what happens, I think, is they get in and they get sucked into the system and then it all becomes about holding on to that power. Yeah. And then that's when things get kind of nutty. Um, and that, that's where yeah. – so then it's like, well, how do you change that system, right? Because, I mean, that, that's – you know, you talk about Citizens United and, and, and certain things that are set up in a way to kind of – let things go the way that they're going. And, um, you know, I saw, I think it was 60 Minutes or one of those type of episodes where they followed a senator or a congressman in, in Congress. He had just got in there. And I think like 80% of his working day was trying to get campaign money for the next it campaign. It was Thomas Massey, wasn't it? It could have been. Yeah, he's a congressman from Kentucky. Okay, that but, sounds familiar. Yeah, so, and he's commented on like on that where to get seats on committees, you got to pay money. yeah. See, Which is crazy, you know? Yeah. See, this is not how – this is not the ideal. I think we can all agree on that, you know? <laughs> so I think like when you and I say stuff like that, I think the majority of people are like, yeah, we totally agree with that. Right. But, you know, it is a system and, you know, I'm not a politician, so I don't pretend to know the ins and outs. I know my wife 
you know, had some connection to the political world a little bit. So through her, I've, I've seen some stuff and I've seen things on like a local level with school boards or whatever, yeah. where you could kind of see how some of these, fa- you know, these influences factor in, but I'm trying to write this book and yes, it does lay out facts that if you read it, people would be like, wow, you're slamming Trump. But like, they're really just facts. You know, a lot of these are, are facts and I think they're important to talk about. And, um, Again, so it's 15 reasons people voted for Trump in 2016. These are reasons where I would talk to friends or family members about, you know, that election. I mean, that year was hard for a lot of families, a lot of people, you know. I mean, I'm sure we probably all know people who had, you know, real issues in, in family life because of this. I, I know it's been an issue within our family. Oh, yeah. Um, but, you know— Again, it's it's not trying to demonize anybody from any side. It's just now trying to say, okay, hey, look, these are some. This is done. Water under the bridge. Twenty sixteen's gone. These are the reasons many of you said you voted for Donald Trump to be president. Now we're coming up on twenty twenty. Are those reasons still good for you now? Because let's <laughs> let's take a look at those reasons. Yeah, you know, and um, you know, some of them are are you know, I, I listed fifteen. Again, this was like a very. This is about two weeks of just free range mind dump on the <laughs> yeah. paper. So, I mean, I'm sure right. I missed some and, yeah. and may, I think I made some. You covered a lot of the ones that we often hear in casual conversations with people that we often hear some of the talking heads on the media sure. mention. I felt when I read your book, it you had laid out very rational reasons um, why people voted for Trump. And I think if you ask most Trump voters, they would agree with the reasons, the 15 headlines, mm-hmm. they may debate you on, yeah. on some of your your facts. And you showed, you know, you had a, a bibliography with, you know, with links, although sure. it was in paperback. But there were links, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, backing up all of the claims you made. And I tried to get, you know, a lot of these are, you know, New York Times or Washington Post or, you know, people would say this is left. But I, I tried to get like Fox News. I tried to get some other you know, write more right-leaning publications as people would consider yeah, them. Yeah, that's important um, to, to show multiple angles. Right. Because I've, I've often believed that it's hard to get truth out of a single media ch- source because all media in one fashion or another is biased, sure. either by what they say or by what they choose not to say. And so by having multiple flavors of media, you can distill the truth yourself. I don't know who said it, but it's one of my favorite quotes, and it's, woe to the reader of but one book. And oh, yeah. I, I, for, I wish I knew who said that, but I loved it. And it makes me just realize, you know, you really need to get these other perspectives. Yeah. And I think it shows credibility on you as an author that you can show sources that are typically thought of as pro-Trump, mm-hmm. as well as those that might be considered anti-Trump or, sure. or what might be debatable as middle of the road. Yeah, I, I mean, I was really just trying to get to facts, you know, yeah, facts. Yeah. And, and again, you know, this is just a, a, a as a citizen, I, I wanted to try. I wanted yeah. to try to pull this together and try. And I think I'm proud of it. I think it's effective. Um, but you know, that's that's not that's not necessarily for me to say. <laughs> but um, well, out of the the 15, and I don't want you to give them all away. I mean, yeah, but. Is there like one or maybe two that you'd like to highlight during our conversation that were meaningful to you or, yeah. or lesser known reasons or obvious reasons? Yeah. I mean, there are, there are a couple in here. Um, I mean, there are things like, you know, um, 
you know, things like he's going to work hard. I mean, some of these are like small things, but I'm going to vote for Trump because he's going to work hard. He he knows the stuff and he's going to work, work, work. And and I'm only listing this one because in my mind it was so blatantly obvious that he did not do this. But I remember him giving a speech about how Obama went golfing, and yeah. and, and and this is not <laughs> the thrust of my book. But I, I, golfing, the fact that the president golfs is not something I care. I, I'm not upset that the president likes to golf. You know, when, when, I, when they golf, they're actually conducting business. Potentially. Well, typically. I mean, what, that's, they're always talking shop, really. Okay. Yeah, per, perhaps. I'll give, I'll give but, them that, that benefit of the doubt. But, but that is not the benefit of the doubt he gave his predecessor. And, and this oh, of is, course not. This yeah, is the only yeah. reason why I pointed this one out because it, this one, it, it, again, this is – I'll go to some other reasons too because this might seem petty. But to me, this gives – it's an, exa- an example of kind of his – lack of enthusiasm in my view to actually really do the hard work i have other examples in the book so you might say well golfing you're doing work but um the the thing that really bugged me about that was that he laid into obama about golfing he went golfing this many times he even gave a speech saying i will not i'm not going to leave the white house i'm going to work so hard and the reason that just bugged me because it was so. I, I thought to somebody who may have said, "Yeah, this guy's going to work hard for us, and he's not going to take a day off, and he's going to do all this stuff." I thought to me like, "This might be like, hey, just check this what he said, and this is what's happening. He's golfing essentially twice as much as Obama." Mm-hmm. Um, I don't care that he golfs. I care that he made it. You know, it's kind of not being genuine here, genuine. Yeah. yeah. So again, small issue, but. Um, one of the things that I'm, I'm trying to get in the mind of people who voted for him, and and uh, you know I did not. I I grew up in um, New Jersey, and he was in, so I would get the New York City news all the time. Oh the yeah, local yeah. News. So he was a major he, figure. I knew all about. I mean, I knew about him growing up, and and mm-hmm. you know it was kind of like this guy's a con man. That was kind of the idea. So when people started talking about him being a great businessman, um, you know, I'm not there with. Donald Trump on his business meetings, you know, I, I can't, you know, I'm a, a person who just watches the news and you can say, well, you know, this, that, the other uh, about whatever ignorance I might have not being in these meetings. But, you know, it was like kind of like a well-known thing growing up that this guy was wonderful at marketing, stunningly mar- wonderful at marketing, reading the room, he had charisma, but like, you know, he would, you know, all these things that come out about him, his multiple bankruptcies, um, you know, uh, the, uh, just examples of, of him just claiming this wonderful business acumen. And then you actually look at the numbers and with the money that he, he was given, you know, from his dad, basically, like if, you know, there's one argument in the book that if he had just invested that in standard <laughs> investments, he'd be about where he is Like now. in an index fund or something, right? Correct. Yeah. So anyway... So those are some of the type, some of the type of the issues issues, but um, I guess as far as a couple of things, I I, I want to make sure I, I point on, and, and these are aren't specific, but um, as far as like a specific date or anything, but I I do think at some point, and this is what we a little bit just talked about, but this whole idea of like the tribe, right, the modern day tribes. Oh my gosh, that's a huge problem. because I think again, I don't think it can be understated. I, I think. I think it it has you know an evolutionary basis, right? I mean, you, you read these things about how how we evolved as people, and and we needed tribes to kind of stay together, and you know, there's we and there's us because we need to keep our food together and make sure that we we're going to survive. And so, 
you kind of see how the me versus us kind of evolved. And, you know, now we're in a world where, you know, we have limited resources on this world. I don't totally agree with that. But, I mean, that that's a general thought pattern right. is that, that we have limited resources or at least we live today as if we have limited resources. And because of that, you know, you want to survive. So you, you I think people are comfortable just with our group, whatever that might be. And I think that is an evolutionary thing. Um, well, this this is a fascinating topic. To take yeah. a little tangent here on tribalism. Sure. I mean, that was in the manifesto of the El Paso shooter. You know, it was us against them, the invaders, yeah. which, by the way, is the rhetoric that came from the president. Sure. But you see this notion of tribalism in people on the right and people on the left. Um, and it's gotten a lot worse. Um, and I, one of the reasons that this podcast is about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness is that those are individual rights. You know, all men are created equal, and we each have our own unique, inalienable individual rights. And I think that's a powerful concept because when we frame it in terms of all these group identities, it just creates these wars, these Yankees, Red Sox, we're like fighting all the time. Well, I mean, it's I, I think and one thing I do, I do want to touch on, and I mentioned it a little bit in the book, is, is I, I think when you get certain people like, like a Trump um, where, you know, l- let's say the, the, and again, I, I should maybe for the record say I'm an independent. I, I've always been an independent. I, I've, yeah, you said that in the book. You've yeah. always been no party preference. Right. Never registered Dem or Republican. I'm pretty sure no. I'm yeah. pretty sure no. I felt like something came up where I thought about it, but I've, I've been no party preference since I could vote, uh, as I recall, at least. Yeah, good for you. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't need a pat on the back, I, but I always saw it, thought, saw it Excuse me, as, you know, I, I don't need other people to tell me my platform, you know? Right on. Um, but... So I, I'm saying that now because I don't want to look like I'm purposely like harping on on Republicans, but but um, you know Republicans have have kind of been, you know, you've got this tribe that I knew as Republican, you know, and, and it included my father, included other family members, it, you know, I, I was very in line and in agreement with many things that were talked about in the Republican platform, and you know I, I feel like it's shifted, and I'm not the only one. Oh, it definitely it, has changed. It, it has shifted. Yeah. And you know who? Do you know Se Cup? She's, oh yeah, CNN. I so I think she was on Fox initially, or she was. She on, was so, I think. But she said something. I remember she said it, and I'm like that. I'm going to remember that. She said the Republican Party can survive a Trump candidacy, but it cannot survive a Trump presidency. Yes. And I'm like, wow. Put a pin in that, as I guess Rachel Maddow would say, right? Yeah. It's her thing. But I remember thinking, okay, I'm going to remember that. And and I I think to a certain extent, I think it has not survived this. I think it's changed. I mean, it's still called Republican Party, but I, I I feel like when you are when you say you care about fiscal responsibility, um, and you're all over Obama about the national debt, and then it goes up another two million or two trillion dollars. <laughs> And it's all nothing but crickets, you know. Now, granted, you know you got to prioritize things, and yeah. and and that debt did go up so significantly with Obama because of the the recession and or yeah. the Great Recession and and the steps he had to take. Um, but I mean, there there's certain things that you know, the Republican parties were, were supposed to be known for. Uh, you know, there was there you know typically they were more hawkish, which isn't fair, and the Democrats were more dovish, and that's not fair. But, no, that's not. Yeah, and, and I don't. Let's also talk about it. I think that's 
totally outdated. I think that's we're, we're stuck in this loop from the '60s or even the McCarthy era, yeah, where right. where we just can't get out of it. And, and I think that's part of it. Like we've we've like I have family members who just won't, whom I love dearly, but just either won't or just aren't capable to just snap out of that. <laughs> and and um yeah. and friends it's and, true. and um but yeah so what i want to say with trump is so i think with trump in some cases i mean he might do he might do things where you start to say where you start to see a little fra- fractures in that tribe right you get like here's our tribe republican let's say and then you know something happens where he makes terrible comments and most people write it off well he just you know, he we're good with the economy. He, you know, he says some yeah. stuff, but we're good with the economy. I, I challenge that in this book, but right, um, or at least that we're good with the economy because of him. Let me put it that way. Okay, that's fair. And, mm-hmm. and not to say oh, Obama either. I, I think there are ebbs and flows, and, and we'll, we can talk about that. But, but the thing is, like sometimes there'll be someone who comes along and say, "No, I don't agree with that," or like there are a handful of, uh, of Republican pundits who will, "No, I, that's wrong. I, I'm calling him out on it. That's wrong." I say a handful because it seems like that's all it is. Right. But, you know, ever so often, like, so you've got this tribe and all of a sudden, like, to me, like, it's a tribal, it's a, I'm calling it a tribal tremor. Cause that's what it is. Like something's happening where your, your tribe is now being shaken. Cause you, you've got some people in your tribe who are now dissenting. Right. So then it's kind of like, at what point do you say, okay, I'm still with Trump or I'm still with this group or I'm still with whatever, whatever position, uh, even though other people I care about and respect are starting to see things differently, or even though I'm starting to get evidence that shows something different, yeah. you know. So, at what point does that those tribal tremors like get people to actually say, you know what, I'm my own tribe, I'm my yeah. own tribe, yeah, 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 I'm my own tribe, and you know, either I'm my own tribe or we are all one tribe. Actually, both simultaneously, yeah, right? I, I hear you. Now, this uh, is. Yeah. Maybe Pollyanna, but I mean that is kind of what I think needs to happen. And yeah. and um, you know, you you have you have certain people that you think can uh, can shake things up. And and I know Trump was one of those people who was going to shake things up, and he certainly did. But again, like I say in this book, I mean it's like you know it's a, it's a difference between shaking things up to the point to like try to reevaluate how we're going to govern, and then like an earthquake. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Like, where yeah. you're damaging institutions yeah. Yeah. that we care about. When you know we, and this is the other thing talking about. Like, I think Republicans losing a little bit of that identity. You know, th- this is you know, founding fathers, founding fathers, founding fathers. You know, you hear this, but you know, the founding fathers wanted a separation of powers. Yeah, they did. And and that was you know, we're leaving a monarch. You know, we well, want that's, separation that, that's of powers. Been happening over decades, little by little, the executive branch has been gaining more power. But it's accelerated under Trump, okay. for sure. Yeah, you know, you know? I, I, I would, I wouldn't know enough to know for sure, but I agree with that. And I remember Obama getting blamed a lot for his executive orders. Yeah, yeah. and that was part of the incremental. Sure. But yeah, but then it just went hockey stick. Well, I mean, he's Trump. telling people not to, you know, oh, you got a subpoena from Congress, don't worry about it, don't go. <laughs> I mean, you know, this is so that's that's yeah. what really this is why like I'm trying to get people. You know, if if you voted for Trump for a variety of reasons, whatever you voted for him, recognize now, like I, the way I see it now, if you're voting for him again, you're voting for someone who, by his own actions and words, like does not seem to care about the separations of powers. No, not at all. And and like only I can fix it. 
Right. Yeah. So that, so then it's like, are you okay? If you are someone who cares about the founding fathers and applauds when he hugs his flag in front of the military yeah, yeah. after he lied to them about the raise he's going to give them. Right. Like if you're one of those people that just like, we'll just go along with that. But, but you're still talking about the founding fathers. Let's go back to the founding fathers and let's like, you know, acknowledge that there are three branches for a reason. Yeah. You know, and, and, you know, I even find it disturbing him talking about, you know, you know, he, he's putting every shade he can on Congress, anybody who's not a Trump sycophant. But he he's doing it to the judges too. Oh, of course. And, and that to me is is incredibly dangerous. It's divide and conquer. It's about people proclaiming their loyalty, and if they don't, then they're you know loser, disloyal. Yeah. Every name in the book. Right. So okay. So my sister uh, married a German, and it's awesome guy. And uh, we actually our family just got back from the strip. We were talking about it, yeah. so we went. And we went with them uh, to their house in Germany, and then we traveled a little bit with them. But we had great talks with him. And, you know, so Germany has terrible blood in its history, obviously. And, um, you know, they acknowledge that. And they're very aware of that, and they don't hide from that. And, um, you know, they have that collective national shame. But, uh, you know, they're trying to, like, you know, work through that. But... um, you know, this is something that, you know, I hate saying Hitler because then you're, I'm not saying Trump equals Hitler. I'm right. not saying that. I'm saying Trump is doing things that Hitler did. That's true in some yeah. cases. Yeah. I'm not saying Trump is murdering six million people. Yeah, right. I'm saying he's doing things that Hitler did. I mean, he is incredibly charismatic. I don't know if I can – what words I can use you on can this. say whatever you well, want to say. Well, to hell with the press. Yeah. Oh, hell. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> No, this is a podcast. Yeah, okay, we can okay, say whatever okay, we want. okay, okay. But you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. those are those are things that are dangerous. Yeah, like, you're right. And and regardless of whether or not it's fake news or you think it's fake news, fake news is to him obviously anything that's against him is fake news. But um, those are things that like, I, and another thing I'm trying to get across in this book is I feel like people just have this thing like. Things will work out, you know. We'll, we're, you know, we're in a, a, you know, a little bump, and and I hope we are. I hope this is a little bump, but like there is no guarantee that this is just a little bump. There is not. No, like, no. like, like you have to do something to stop it from just being a, you know, from getting to be a bigger bump. And this is why it's so important for people to, you know, to become active citizens and vote. Well, to become educated yeah. about about the issues as best you can, and to vote clearly. But um, that that's something I also want to leave people with is that, or, you know, in the book I end it kind of with that is, you know, th- this is, I, 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 it's just so common to be like, yeah, we'll get through this. We've always got through this before, and well, you know, not every country li- does. Liberty not, is a very fragile thing. Yeah, and it can be gone in a generation. Sure. This this nation could be gone in a generation, I, I, and and really, every four years, it can take a a, a serious turn, mm-hmm. one way or the other. So yeah, you know, it, we're going through a an inflection point right now. Yeah. And are we going to continue on the new trajectory, or are we going to have a little course correction? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I feel like it sounds like alarmist to say these things, but I find them no, alarming. I find them alarming, and and well, uh, we're talking about. Walls and travel bans and um, send her back. And this is very different than the whole notion of give us your poor and huddle masses. 
um, melting pot, you know, the what was America was known for. Right. But, you know, people say, well, hey, that's not in the Constitution, right? That's what some people will say. It sounds nice. It's nice poetic stuff. But it's, but it's not. Well, I'm sorry. Go ahead. You know, no, no. But yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry. But you're right. I mean, that is the America I love, right? I mean, yeah. America is is a, you know, I've heard it said, it's an experiment. Yes, it is. And it is absolutely an experiment. I mean, we were we were just in you know, a couple of countries where you know pretty homogeneous population. And they, they try things. We were in Denmark, Germany, and Norway. And, and you always hear about Denmark and Norway being the happiest places. And it's funny. You talk to them. You're like, wow, that's that's interesting. But but and they are. They are content, I guess, is the proper way to that, put it. A lot of that's cultural. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. But, I, yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm not necessarily one to say, hey, they do in Norway, so it's going to work here. Yeah. But I, what I don't like is when people say, hey, it can't work in Norway. It can't work here because – you know, Norway has got a smaller population. Right? Yeah. I, I think we got to look at things can all, scale. We, we got to look at a lot of different things. There, there are mm-hmm. a lot of things I think that that can scale, and, and I think we have to stop looking. We have to stop our planning for the future by looking at yesterday. You know, we got to we got to look about what's coming around the corner. But uh, but yeah. Anyway, uh, my my brother in law had a great talk, and it's you know this whole idea about like, you know, Rome was going to last forever until it didn't. Right. Right. Yeah, it just didn't, and you know these banana republics, or I don't, I don't know what the proper terms are, but there are some of these things that are set up by some people with good intentions, and no, didn't work out. And you know, I just, I, I don't know if that's where we're going. I'm not saying that's where we're going. I, I certainly hope that things will work out, but I'm not one to just be quiet about it and just hope anymore. You know, I mean, I, yeah, I. Uh, it's funny we were talking about some, you know, Star Trek, and like I, I yeah. love fiction, and yeah. I love, you know, and we have two two boys, and got into all the superhero stuff, and we saw the Wonder Woman movie. I don't oh, know yeah. if you saw. I haven't the seen Wonder... that one yet. But there's this great line. I mean, every so often, pop culture comes up with a great one, and, mm-hmm. and I'm going to butcher it, but it was essentially along the lines of one of the, the male characters is, is in this, and and he was talking about why he entered, I guess, World War One, and he's like, you know, my father told me. I can be either be a person who does nothing and watches, or I can be a person who tries. Yeah, and it's like I've done enough of the first thing. Okay, and and uh, to me, this is like it's weird how you can get inspired by a movie like that. But, oh yeah, but these are uh, like very important themes, and uh, and they're timely now. Well, you know the beauty is is that with the First Amendment, you're free to express yourself without being thrown in the gulag. I hope so. <laughs> you know, I hope and so. that's great. That's one of the beautiful things about America as well. But even that's under threat. Um, President Trump is now wanting to hop in bed with the social media companies and maybe control some of that content. Uh, it's, uh, very interesting things going on with the First Amendment. Yeah, that's that's a that is disturbing. And I, you know, the other side you'll hear right from again. I always try to look at the different sides. The other side is you hear well, like, hey, people should be able to say whatever they want about. Uh, you know, quote unquote, hate speech. If they want to say it, it's First Amendment. But mm-hmm. you know, I, I think like as a society, we come together. We say, hey, we don't all live on islands. We don't have our own island. We're coming together. We're going to say these are the things we we're okay with. These are the things we're not okay with. Like you can't scream fire in a theater, and it's not okay to do things that well, are going to. I've got an opinion on that. So, in my opinion, the whole point of the First Amendment is so that you can say hate speech, so that you can say things that are unpopular. That doesn't mean that it's morally right to say it. It doesn't mean that it's um, ethical or you know appropriate. 
It's not good manners. Yeah, but you're not going to go to jail for saying it. Right. Right. But in the case of fire in a crowded theater, that's used a lot. But I think the courts have said that really isn't applicable. You know, that's my understanding of it because it was mentioned, you know, I think about a century ago by one of our Supreme Court justices. But I don't believe that necessarily is the law right now because my my interpretation is – and here I'm like a guy with a podcast. What the hell do I know? I said hell. Uh Uh, (laughs) Uh-oh. if you say fire in a crowded theater and nobody moves, then there's really there, that's not a problem. The problem is is inciting a riot. That's the crime, hmm. um, not the words that are said. And I think that's an important differentiation. But um, I don't know I'm yeah I'm, no I'm, no I'm it's, on a it's, it's a tough. I mean you know I certainly don't have all the answers. I mean but but I I recognize and I appreciate that we're having a nuanced conversation. Yeah, because that's what's important is that people understand the nuances to this. Because you're right, like if I if there's a Hitler guy who wants to go out and say all these terrible things, you know, do I think he's a terrible person? Probably, yeah. But I mean, like at what point? Like uh, it's just it's a it's a touchy thing. So when you hear about the slippery slope argument, you can understand why that makes sense. Yeah, well, that's where you I think know? society and culture need to influence. And move those people to the sideline, re-educate them. Right. You know? And that, that's absolutely the, – the edu- I mean, it always comes down to education. But then you have people – this is another important topic nowadays is there are people who are so distrustful oh, yeah. of education, right? Because it's the elites telling them what to believe. Right. And so, I mean, these are, these are problems that are, are cultural problems that, you know – like what do you do when like people have facts – they can literally show you A plus B equals C, and they can run it through, and and they people won't believe it. Like what? That's an alternative fact. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, like that is a real. I mean, that's you know, you talk about you know you have things like climate change, these really really important things that people don't want to you know recognize. But you know, the the fundamental part of that is they don't want to recognize it because they don't want to. I don't know, like they just don't want to believe certain people or don't want to believe that certain things are true. Because, like I said, I guess back back to the tribe thing. Their tribe has already said. Now, if a, if a lib says this or a libtard says this, then they're just forget it. Yeah. Regardless of whether or not they have facts or not. And, and that's true. If you flip the table around, sure. Yeah, you'll see both cases. Yeah. Um, and you're right. It comes down to tribalism. It's almost like religious. You know, if they say something that's against my religion, it throws up. You know the. The the you know, people put on their battling gloves. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, really, I mean, not necessarily going. I mean, we're talking politics and religion here, but, but yeah, I mean, religion too. It's a it's a set of ideas, right? I mean, these are all sets of ideas, and and any set of ideas, if it can't you know deal with questioning, then how strong are those ideas? You know. But aren't politics and religion some of the more interesting conversations? They're, they're the most important conversations. Provided you can have it in a civil tone right. with someone that's respectful. Absolutely. You know, if, if you have that, th- these are beautiful conversations. And, and, and I don't know that like – like so I have a friend from college that I haven't seen in 25 years or whatever. It's been 20-something years. She read this book and, and, and she's – you know, she's – we've kind of – changed it we have, we have different ways of thinking right <laughs> and um it felt great to to get a little feedback from her i mean the parts of the book that i thought she might have a problem with she had a problem with but yeah. she she agreed with a lot of what i said and, and it just felt good i felt like i'm talking well granted we're all this is all through 
texting. Yeah. But it was like I, I'm talking with someone, I'm communicating, and they're hearing me, and they're communicating back, and I'm hearing them. Yeah. And that was incredibly refreshing. It is. It really, really it's was. Beautiful. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, that that's. I mean, I don't know if you know who Sam Harris is. He's oh yeah, an author, yeah. Right? So he he's fond of saying. I know he's controversial to some people, but he's fond of saying something along the lines of, "We have two options." We have violence and we have conversation. He's right. And and when you really pair it all out, that's really what it comes down to. I'm like, you know, we're, so the, I don't want to go there with the violence. So right. I want to try to look into the nuances of the conversation. And I see a lot of like we're talking about you're this, you're this. Well, you're, uh, you're, you're a capitalistic pig, whatever. You're a socially commie, whatever. I see a lot of that. Now, I don't, I mean, I don't really even consider that communication anymore. But that is kind of what the communication component typically is. So trying to get into the nuances of what communication could be or should be is, uh, you know, at this point, it's one of my life goals. You did a great job in this book, I thought, in, in <clears throat> being very transparent about who you were and about your, um, your own maybe biases or, or maybe sh- sharing that you don't necessarily have a bias in some cases. But all you wanted to do was present facts. Um, you gathered some, you know, input from a lot of people that you know and trusted, mm. um, and you just laid it out. And, and it, I didn't take from this where this is some, you know, crazy leftist bashing Trump. You know, it, it came to me as for, very, you know, methodical presentation with a solid bibliography, a presentation of the facts. I thought it was well done. I appreciate that. I really do. Yeah. And um, I, I, obviously there's going to people, be people that won't like it, that'll challenge it. But I would say that if, if even the most hardcore Trump supporters, if they were to at least read the table of contents, I think they would agree with that list of 15. I, I do too. I mean, that, though I didn't dream those up. I mean, those were all things that I heard, you know, yeah. like, uh, you know, I mean, so, uh, yeah, no, I, that means a lot. I really appreciate that. I mean, that, that's essentially what I was going for. Um, it, yeah, it's it's a it's a strange world we live in, and and uh, you know we we get one crack at at life, and and uh, you don't know who you're going to influence, who you're not, but you know you influence nobody if you if you don't try, you know. And so, t- tell me the story about the cover art. <laughs> There's not that much. To, my wife's like, okay, does this? All right, I'm curious. Does it? Does that? Can you even tell what that is? I don't even Here, know. Hold it up there a little it. bit. Yeah. Well, so the intent is okay. So here, okay. So my wife's a public relations person. So okay. her initial thing was, "What? What the hell is that?" You know, is that a rose? Oh, okay. So this is <laughs> this is failure number one. So this is written in two weeks. Okay. But so the cover art. So this is supposed to be a red MAGA hat. Oh, a MAGA hat. It's okay. Supposed to be a MAGA hat. And my right. son, my at the time thirteen-year-old son's even like, "Oh, you need to write MAGA." But then I'm like, "Someone's going to sue me if I write oh, MAGA." No. On yeah. that. But so 2016, and basically someone has these reasons, but come by 2020, the 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 support has left, and they're and they're recognizing that those reasons aren't valid anymore. That's the second part of the title. And yeah, that's that that was the intent. And but why now, these don't apply in 2020? Okay, that was the intent, and now I'm realizing if you thought that was a rose, that was a major failure on my part. But I'll correct the record here. <laughs> I thought people were like throwing roses. <laughs> no, you know? no, no. I wasn't sure, but yeah. And I, okay, MAGA hat. Duh. Yeah, I'm, I'm not the best artist, as you can tell. So that was all okay. through. It's all good. I think PowerPoint. That's awesome. But, uh, yeah, no, I, it's it's trying to be just you know one person trying to 
trying to save what, what I can. Yeah, but you know, I mean, this is a special thing. Like I say, well, you, you're a published author. That's a major deal for a person in their lifetime. And hopefully this is not the only one. No, I, I definitely have things I want to write and I've been working on. But, I mean, this is all kind of hobby stuff for me, honestly. Yeah. Like, I have a day job. We have two kids. My yeah. wife works, too. So, yeah. you know, th- this just happened to be like kind of came out very quickly. But, uh, no, it, it's definitely something I enjoy doing. And it's, it's uh, you know, just trying to get important ideas out there. I mean, one other thing, um, maybe deviating a little bit from the book, but I, I – one thing that I think is so important and, and one thing why I also think Trump is not right for 2020, I personally think he should be impeached, but um, just 2020, is that I don't think he is someone, uh, uh, you know, he thinks about himself, all that stuff, but um, he's not someone, in my view, that's actually looking in the future. Like, he's not looking around the corner. He, he's looking in the past. Mm-hmm. He wants He wants to bring back a past that was, you know, that doesn't apply now. You know, you know, the world we're we're moving into, like, you know, we need leaders who like understand that, or at least recognize that. You know, you have artificial intelligence, you have machine learning. These aren't things like the industrial revolution never ended, right? I mean, that people talk about that like mm-hmm. it was over in the history books. That that's still going. Yes, it is. And it, it's it's taking you know, and forgive me. I think you've talked about some of this before, but like, uh, you know, self driving cars, right? Well, half the states are top job is truck driver, right? So now you're sound, sounding like Andrew Yang right here. Yeah, well, it's yeah, true, he, though. He, he talks about this a yeah, lot. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Th- th- this is the stuff that, like, yeah. you have, like, uh, it, with Trump, like, I, I, the metaphor I use in here is that, you know, you have some countries that are, like, building self-driving Lamborghinis, you know, going zero to 60 in one millisecond, whatever it might be, and Trump is, like, driving a dead riding a dead or a donkey to his death you know <laughs> trying to whip it to go faster like right i feel like he is a leader who's looking at past ways of doing things and um yeah i do like that about yang actually but like you, like you need people who are going to recognize like when we have you know you know people are employed now apparently i don't know all the details about whether it's underemployment or whatever but i'm certainly happy that people have jobs yeah but like I think we have to be aware of the fact that a lot of these jobs are going to continually be going away, and we have to be planning for that. Like people talk about universal basic income. Like I mean, again, I'm maybe deviating a no, little bit okay. here. We can go anywhere we want in this conversation. Yeah, but but like I do want to get this out there because this is another idea that just I'd love to get feedback on because I think it. You know, I'm always trying to look for. You know, there's a lot of this. I'm just trying to find like what what might work. You know, but here now here's my angle on this. Yeah, is that the economy always evolves, and yeah, some jobs are lost because new technology comes forward. You know, think of all the people that lost their job at Blockbuster Video mm-hmm. because of the. I mean, I'm kind of a funny. Silly yeah, example, no, I know. But technology progresses. But you know what? What we have now, we have more jobs than we've ever had. Because new industries come up, there are always entrepreneurs, innovators, creating new ideas, new employment opportunities. I mean, if you look at, go back, roll the clock back to the 1950s, who would have ever thought we would have an internet boom? And think of all the people that are employed as a result of that industry that just started up really in the 90s. Yeah. No, no, I certainly hope that that, you know, that's always the thing is that the jobs just change, right? Yeah, they change. But... um I do kind of get the sense that this is different. Like, so I took 
just because I love to learn and, and, and I did this for fun. I took this six-month boot camp about uh, databases and coding and, and tried mm-hmm. to learn some of that stuff. So part of this was actually we actually learned how to do Twitter bots and we had to learn how to do these different things, like little and uh, little like, you know, glimpse of like uh, machine learning and how these algorithms run. And <clears throat> excuse me, but I mean, uh, I think a lot when people what you just said, I think is the common idea that a lot of people have. And I've heard a lot of economists say that. But then I, I've, I'm also getting some economists starting, I, I think, kind of recognizing, well, maybe this is a little different because now you have you know, machines, they've taken over the blue collar jobs, lots of them. Yeah. But they're taking right. over the white collar jobs. That's true too. So like, in, you know, when you can create algorithms that operate very close to a human brain, I'm not saying we're there or anything like that, but now here we are with the science fiction and the Star Trek. <laughs> but, and Albert Einstein. And Albert Einstein. But this is why I love this stuff because, you know, Star Trek is, it, you know, it, it's this idea that people throw these ideas out there, but then they work towards them. And all of a sudden, wow, we have a, tri- we have a tricorder or whatever it is, yeah. you know, in our cell phones. And so, but I, I think a lot of these things are out there. I, I feel like people like uh, Yang recognize that i don't know that everybody else does like yeah. in fairness i don't th- and i i I'm a, i like a lot of people on the on the left i like bernie sanders personally a lot but i don't i don't know that a lot of people on the left i don't really i don't feel like anybody's really talking about this as much as it should and as much as we should because i, I do think it's probably inevitable and then so then the matter is just hear me out here. You might not no, agree no, with that, no, but go ahead. but let's say that is inevitable, and and you have so now you have a lot of people living here. You have this tribal, you know, anger, and now you have less and less jobs. Well, what is that going to do? It's going to people. People are going to be. It's going to you know, fires are going to increase here as far as like the 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 fear of losing their job. Mm-hmm. I don't want to lose my job to a Mexican. I don't want to you know the, who's this person coming in taking my job. Like those are just going to get you know continue to to fester. So, I mean, in a way, this could turn to like a very dystopian thing. So people talk then about universal basic income. And I'm thinking, well, okay, but someone's got to pay for that. Exactly. Right? So this is where like, you know, that sounds good until you realize someone has to pay for it. Right. So so what I this is what I want to throw out there as a thought. And, and um, you know, I wrote this Medium article about it once just because I wanted to get it out. But... This is why I think like things like the, the Green New Deal. I, I don't, I don't know all the ins and outs of that. I know a lot of people don't like it because it's it's, it talks I think about you know more more jobs and and um, like you know union type things, which you know that there there are issues with unions on on you know, maybe there are issues of merit with the unions, but that, in my view that's separate completely. Like if you're trying to go green jobs, go green. You know, just just get the let's say we get all green jobs out there or, or get new solar plants or wind plants, right? If we do that, just hear me out. So if we have a bunch of solar plants everywhere, if if you take the square footage of Spain and make all that uh, solar panels, right? So interesting. Know, okay, Spain, you would you would have enough energy for the entire planet. Really? Yes. Wow. According I didn't to know this that. one article I read, I don't know, well, but I, I, but it was a legit article. Yeah, I'd have to go I find believe it. it. But so the idea is you can, you know, put – and I, I take an – I um, so I, I have like some of these credentials through my job where I've, I'm like a, you know, certified energy manager and all. You get certain this training. You get mm-hmm. some of this training. So I, I've, I've gotten some of this information. But so if you have – one thing that is always free is – I mean their photons are free. Yeah, they are. I mean and, and you look at like um, – 
you know, yes, there's a cost to set up this infrastructure, but it is an abs- absolutely an investment. We have a sol- we have solar panels at our house. Yes, yeah, so do we. Yeah, it's like a no brainer. It's absolutely a no brainer, yeah. and, and it's like right, so. I think we have another year, and we have, and we're done. Yeah, it, it, we're, it's free energy. Yeah. So that is money we would normally be spending that we are now not having to spend. So, yeah, which is I, a ton of money here in well, San Diego. Well, I know, but yeah. right. And, and there's no control over that, right? It can yeah. go up and down. And, and I know SDG is changing structures or has changed the structures. But, but my point on, on this, just going down this, just hear me out a little bit more. No, keep it, going. Is that, you know, that, that is a currency. Photons are a currency. Because why? Because if you have, like, like it's sun money, right? Because if you have... That like normally that energy to okay uh, to run an AC yeah right I mean you you have like you get, you're paying money for that and that money's coming from you know gas lines that you know all the distribution systems and they, that go to SDG and E and then or not gas whatever but I mean you no know I'm saying like there, there's yeah. a whole infrastructure there, yeah, there is. that is not that does not run by itself forever right right for free like you have to make, do lots of things for that to keep working whereas with solar panels yes there's some maintenance but you wash them, you wa- you rinse them off. I mean, there's not much to it. There, yeah. there are no moving pieces. Yes, you know. So like, so that is yes. There will be some maintenance, but once you set up an infrastructure like that, you have endless resource for energy. Yes. Right. Yeah. If you have endless resource for energy, think about like the Carlsbad desalinization plant. Right. What's the main cost for those things? Is the energy to actually to push through that reverse osmosis system? Right. right? Well, if you have endless energy, you can you can handle that. Yeah. Then guess what? You have endless clean water. Yes. And right, if you have endless clean water, endless energy, you have endless energy to pump that water wherever the hell you want to pump it. Right. Again, all this has to do with like you have to set you have to invest in the you know setting up the infrastructure. Right. So then you can pump it to you know you know East County or, or you know out out west where you're farming. Like Borrego, they're they're having a ration water now. Yeah, I mean, we're, Springs. yeah, I mean, we're, yeah. you know, we our water system obviously has taken a hit yeah. for years. I guess the last couple of years have been a little bit better, but you you know you have to kind of plan for what people are saying is going to happen. What scientists are saying is happening, right, with these droughts. So, but then you have you know endless clean water supply. You know, you can you can farm if you have the water for essentially right energy. Then essentially prices go to zero. Not zero per, exactly, but close to zero. Right. Then water essentially can almost go to zero, right? I mean, you have to maintain, not yeah. exactly, but and then so then all of a sudden, you know, a big part of like farming, or whatever, water is a big part of that. Excuse me. And the cost of food will go down. Cost of food will go down. Yeah. So then now now you're looking at okay, I live in a hot place, but I have AC. I don't have to worry about that. I'm not going to dump my father or mother isn't going to die yeah. of a heat stroke in, in their house. You know, there's water. They're going to have water. And food is going to be, like, maybe not free, but, like, inexpensive and maybe healthy. Yeah. Food, something yeah. healthy food. So then you have a scenario where, like, okay, the basics are kind of there. So then what happened? So when we talked before about tribalism, well, tribalism, that all started because there was, a, there were, there was limited resources and we needed to defend ourselves from people taking our farmland. Like Mad Max, man. Yeah. Gosh, I never, <laughs> I'm embarrassed I haven't even seen that. You haven't seen Mad Max? There, oh. I, have like a, I just saw The Godfather. Oh. There are a list of all these movies that I have to see that I am just getting to. But oh, well, we we, we need to spend some time. Okay, um, but anyway, keep keep going. Yeah, I'm but, loving this conversation. No, so so basically, then so all that that 
the root cause, like you know, this is like a root cause analysis, right? Yeah, so I do yeah. I do procedures a lot for for where I work, and part of that is like, well, this happens. Well, why does that happen? Because this happens. Well, why does that happen? You know, yeah. I think there's a whole term, the five whys. You're supposed to ask why five times, and by that time, you're supposed to get to the root cause, right? So the root cause, it, it is. It's like a psychological need for survival. I mean, that's really what it is. Well, of course. So uh, what else could it be, right? So. Mm -hmm. Now, if you if you set up this system where the root cause of survival is mitigated, like you don't have to worry that if I don't have a job, I'm I'm probably not. My kids aren't going to die. You know right. what I'm saying? I, like I, they might, we might not like get like the best sneakers, or whatever. But like we're we're not going to die, we're, and we're going to be able to eat, and we're going to, be, you know, then then it's like the whole calculus of tribalism. It's kind of like you're you're pulling you're pulling the rug out from underneath the whole structure up. Yeah, yeah. So that's why, like, when people say the Green New Deal, oh, whatever, it's stupid. I applaud the idea of just hardcore pushing for green infrastructure. Yeah. You know, whether it's a Green New Deal or what, and, and whether or not unions are involved or not, they, those are separate issues. Well, yeah. But like to me, that that like, so when people talk about universal basic income, I'm like, okay, well that. That's something that's they're going to need to be a continual flow of money, like forever, for that to happen. Yeah. Well, this there's a continual flow of something, but it's already it's the sun. Yeah. It's it's when you know. So these are things where, like, I think especially in California, people like solar panels and wind panels. You were a hippie if you wanted that. <laughs> like that. I think people have finally realized that that's no. This is legit. Oh yeah. A legit energy source. It makes sense. So anyway, I, I think you know. I, my hope is that like. You know, people can really push for those types of things, and and I feel like that can help mitigate what could end up being a pretty dystopian future. Well, you know, we have solar and we have two electric cars. Oh it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. So have, yeah, so it's like never have to buy gas. Yeah, I, I mean, I mean, I like people you will whine and moan when the price gas goes up. I'm like, what? Yeah, sucks to be you. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Uh, but you know, it, it's interesting as you touched on a number of topics. I'm with you on the whole. You know. Investment into into green technology. Now we can discuss who does that investment. Is it individuals? Is it taxpayers? Is it corporations? But the idea, the science, the technology right. is right. What I think would be really cool is that if people had that sustainable model, and to your point, you wouldn't have to worry about your family eating. Um, you can get to the point now where suddenly we don't have to struggle to live. We free up. Our minds of to be more creative. Yeah. All these new innovations yeah. are going to come forward, and we're going to see the quality of life ratchet up even higher. There will be new industries, new technologies, new things that will come forward that will change our life dramatically, all in positive ways. I, I yeah, I, this is this is I love this conversation because I think when people hear about the future, that it, it just immediately goes to dystopia. And it, no, it doesn't, doesn't have, have to, to be. No, yeah. And but but the thing is, but my point is like, I don't think Trump gets that. I don't think. <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I don't think there are many people even talking about that the way to to the extent that I think they should be. Well, the whole Trump fake news thing is like dystopia. It's like George yeah. Orwell. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the thing. Like, I I feel like, you know, Democrat or I'd be totally happy if there was it. Bob Weld or Bill Weld. Bill Weld. I like him. Yeah, I mean, whoever. I mean, yeah. somebody who is an, you know, acts like an adult. Yeah, doesn't treat our allies like enemies. You yeah. know, all, all the, but some some adult who can come in and 
you know, I, I don't know. I'd have to, I have to kind of figure out who I'm voting for. I don't know. I got a little time to figure that out. Yeah, but lots of time. And yeah. Things will change a lot too. Yeah, yeah, and I, and I don't care. I don't care for little sound bites about mm-hmm. Joe Biden said. You know, he he what was it? He he tried to give out his text, his number for texting, and he gave he said something stupid. It's like, oh, come on. Like, My this favorite isn't Joe news. Biden line I, you maybe heard is. President Obama has a plan for America, and it's three letters, J-O-B-S, jobs. <laughs> Biden, okay. Biden is a good guy, but he, he sometimes trips over his own words. Yeah. But they all But do. come on. Look yeah. at the model we just had in front of us well, here. Yeah. We have in front of us now. Yeah. I think Joe Bar- Biden, I think he's smart. I think he's got <laughs> his heart in the right place. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not stumping for anybody here. Right? I know you're, you're not. not. But I, I – you know. I'm just looking at alternatives well, to what we have right now. Well, with President Trump, uh, he, you can take any issue, and I, I will. You can cite him being against it and for it. Yeah, you know? and, and this is. I mean, it's incredible. It's really. almost. I have to say, even just now talking about. I mean, I, I wrote a book about Trump, and we're talking about Trump. It's almost. It's almost draining to even think about it. But you're, to keep thinking about Trump, even though I just wrote a book about it. But you're right. It is totally true. And I feel like that is like – I don't know if he does it on purpose, but I think he probably does. Oh, I like, think it's calculated because he's able to um, get support from either side of the argument. And he can always say, oh, I, look, go back at this date. I said this on this yeah. date. Yeah, well, you said that on the date like an hour before. you right. know. But it's this game. It's just, it's just this – in my view, right? And I'm not trying to demean Trump voters or whatever, you know, but like this is such an obvious con man. In my view. Yeah. Right. You know, I'm not saying the man's not, you know, redeemable on a human level. No, I'm not saying he's it, a yeah, devil. I'm not saying he's Hitler. I'm yeah. saying, come on, we can do so much better. So much better. I do think he's an embarrassment. Oh, okay. I, I'm going to stop because this is not the, this is not the tone I'm trying to take no, yeah. this book. Yeah. That, and I want to be clear on yeah. that too. The tone of the book is a, is a quite a bit different than what we're having a conversation. Y- y- thank about. you. Cause I, cause yeah. you know, because my my target audience is actually people who might who are considering voting for him, right? And uh, so. or maybe even some people that might be on the fence. You know, am I going to vote again for him in twenty twenty, or maybe am I going to do something different? Well, right, and well, I think a lot of it too. So he was a master at you know the other side is worse, right? Getting oh, gosh, other people yeah. the other side is really Hillary's, and, you know, mentally ill. You know, everybody's crazy. Like, I mean, it was an obvious. Like Bernie Sanders, he actually once he realized he wasn't going against Bernie Sanders, he's like, "Oh yeah, Bernie Sanders is a great guy," yeah. because he wants to get people from Bernie who liked Bernie Sanders to go to his side. Right. Now he's crazy Bernie, right? He's crazy Bernie, socialist Bernie. He's crazy. So, so he's using all the same tactics. I mean, it, it's to me, it's like it's it's a slow, like I said, it's a slow moving train wreck that happened. I I, I didn't think he would win. But like when it did happen, like I, I couldn't believe it. It was so surreal. Like it's still surreal now, and I can see an avenue where he could win again. Oh, very much right. so. It's like some like three states, right? Yeah, he he could easily win. So I'm I, yeah, I'm trying to get those people. But uh, have you ever listened to um, Scott Adams and any of his uh, coffee talks he does on Twitter? He's the so. author of Dilbert. Oh, okay. Yeah, I I think I heard him on a Sam Harris. Podcast. He he's a very interesting guy. He called Trump um, to be the winner shortly after he made his announcement speech when he came down the escalator at Trump Tower. And he basically saw how Trump was essentially manipulating the messaging and really playing a game, communication game at a totally different level 
that we, we are used to in the regular political discourse. And he said, yeah, he's going to win. And this was like in a month after his announcement. People were like, he's not going to win. There's no way. Yeah. And look what happened. Well, I think, yeah, I heard, I think, one interview with him. And, uh, you know, I always loved Dilbert. Uh, but um, I got the sense that he was like, Loving that he like Trump is he manipulated it as if like that was something Trump's supposed to get a gold medal for you know I'm like that's not something to applaud in no, my it's book not. but yeah that that's the sense I got from him but yeah no I I I absolutely agree that Trump is a is a master at um making himself look good and public you know relations or whatever it might be yeah. but. But um, we said he was a master marketer and he is. Yeah. 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 Um, so, yeah, it was it just I just thought that was a remark. That's when I was really kind of figured it out um, that you can't take his words at face value. Because yes, if you did, it just you'd go crazy. So but what are we saying here? I mean, this is this, this is the, my point, right? Yeah. Yeah. We can't take the president's words at face value. OK, you can say <laughs> that about Obama. You can say that about anybody. Right. Oh, everybody said something that wasn't totally true. But. You look, you look at, like, I, I cite some things in here about, like, the quantity of lies and mistruths. Oh. And it, it's, it's come on. Come yeah. on, people. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Like, for real. Stop. Like, yeah. snap snap out of it. If you, if people really think that this guy is, like, telling the truth or whatever, no, we need someone who, at the very least, is going to be remotely honest, you know, w- with the American people. You know, like, he, it's like the, the stuff with Mueller. I go a little bit into that because, you know, I downloaded the yeah. podcast yeah. or the uh, audio books. And... Yeah, that's what you were recommending, that people listen to it in their car. Because it's a driving. lot. It's a oh, lot, God. right? And it, It's and like 800 pages, isn't it? At the, yeah. I, well, I, at the very least, get download the audio book, and, and they, they, have, they summarize the two sections. There's like 25 minutes each, right? Oh, that's not bad. Yeah, it's totally doable. I have but... podcasts that are twice that long. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no. But, but uh, yeah, I mean, the guy, it's like, Oh no! Yeah, he lied about this, this, and this, but it wasn't under oath. So, eh. well, yeah, but he lied. Yeah, yeah. And and he said it with a straight face, like about the was the Moscow Tower or whatever, right? There's sometimes he, like, there's really no other way to put it. Wait, the man lied, knowing what he was doing. But let, let's be, you know, all politicians lie to varying degrees. It's that Trump has just taken it to a whole new level. Yeah, I mean, I I, I would probably grant you that that that's yeah. probably true, but but. I, I think it's maybe like, you know, politicians play it, right? I mean, if they're talking to oh, yeah. one audience, they're going to stress something. And, yes, they will. And, and you know, maybe mislead, you know, whether it's all yeah. a lie or whatever. But that's a, the quote-unquote game. It is, yeah. Which... That why well, I could never run for or never win anything yeah. in office. I, can, I just couldn't – I would suck at that game. I, just, <laughs> I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to do it. It is a game. Yeah. Even see, at the local level, it see, is a game. The, so this is something wrong though, right? I mean mm-hmm. th- this is like wrong. Like we – like I, I, I hope enough people recognize that the fact that this is a game is not the ideal. No, you know? and, no. And um, we should be striving for a more perfect union, right? Right. Uh, a better country, and, and uh, I think we've just come to say, oh, all politicians lie, and and that, you know, maybe that's true, but certainly not to this degree. Uh, Can I switch gears a little absolutely, bit? Absolutely, yeah. Walk me through the process of how you got it published. Yeah, well. I mean, that's an interesting thing yeah. in, in itself. Yeah, it, it's, uh, this is kind of the, the democratization of a lot of different things. I mean, you can do this now by yourself. So this is a self-published book. Um, and, uh, you know, it's funny, I, I, I have, I have two brothers, two sisters and, and one brother and one sister are, they're twins. Uh, 
and they've actually both written novels. So they're actually going through, and, and I've read them, and I don't read that much, but they're good. I mean, it's me, they're just as good as a lot of other novels that are right out on. there. Right on, good. So, but they're going through this whole process about how to, you know, you know the the letters to the authors and all this stuff, or the uh, the publishing companies, and how how to get that uh, published. And it's it's this difficult process, right? Because you have to you have to meet the right people. It's oh, yeah, it's like it's becoming really an actor in Hollywood, right? I yeah. Mean, yeah. So this was, you know, I had these ideas. I got it out. It was going to be a long article. I figured out it was longer than a long article. I wanted to try a different avenue. So I looked on Amazon. You can self-publish on Amazon. So that's what I did. So you can go there. It's like a KindleDirectPublishing.com, I think, something along the line. But wow. if you type in Kindle Publishing, it mm-hmm. it comes up. And, and um, yeah, I mean, a lot of it's kind of, you know, relatively easy. I mean, they give you a... Excuse me, like a Kindle, I have a Kindle version of the book and then the paperback version. And uh, it's cool with the Kindle book because you can, you know, a lot of these things that I link to in the book, you can actually press it and immediately go right there. Oh, yeah, cool. And, uh, you know, there, there are other, other neat things about the Kindle version. Like it can, you know, Alexa, I don't know if you have Alexa. Yeah, but, I don't have it, but I know of it. Yeah. yeah I mean, there some, yeah, we have that. And so, Alexa can read my book to me. And, so do you just basically just wrote a, a giant Word document and then you just upload it? Essentially, yes. Wow. Yeah. I mean, there's a little bit more to that. They're, they have a, they have a software, Kindle, uh, Amazon has a Kindle software where, you can upload it in there, and then you just do some formatting in there, and and you save it. It's not a DOC file. It's I forgot what it's called, but some other file. But, but they don't edit it for you or proofread it no, or anything. No. You just upload it, and they print it and sell it. Yep, that's and, cool. And I know at least one typo in there. <laughs> I'm not going to tell anybody <laughs> okay. where it is. Well, that's why you have one. a second edition you <laughs> yeah, know, no, to yeah. cover those. There's at least one. Well, I went on Amazon, and you got two really nice reviews, and the book's only been out, what, like a month? Yeah, yeah. No, no, it's cool. Like, I, I've I've had, you know, obviously from family and friends have, have purchased it, but then I've also, you know, I've got some other people that are buying it, and uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's kind of cool, like, to slowly get this out here. I mean, I, I haven't really tried any, like, real public relations push or anything like that. Yeah. I, step one for me was just to write it. Step two, figure out how to publish it. And now hopefully there there's some way I can help people to, you know, find it. And, and this is a huge help. I appreciate this. No worries. Well, this is step one of your book tour, right? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> you have public speaking engagements and TED yeah, Talks. Yeah, it's just and... funny because, you know, you know my wife. My wife yeah. is much more of an extrovert than I am. This is not really my thing. But uh, – but I, I feel strongly about some of the stuff, so it's you know I appreciate the opportunity here. This it's is great. Good. Yeah. So I can tell you got a lot of stuff like built up inside of you, and you just like getting it out. Yeah. Give me one more nugget of something you want to share with the audience that you're you're passionate about, and it doesn't necessarily have to be political. It could be anything. Yeah. Uh. Well, yeah, I don't know how to answer that. Um. I mean, I'm passionate about about my, you know, our kids, obviously, like I'm passionate about trying to make a better place for them. And, um, you know, it's funny. Like I, I, um, I was trying to like think of questions you might ask and, you know, I, I you know, you always go through, okay, well the backstory, yeah. Yeah, that's one. And then yeah. like, I'm like, what if you ask like, who are your heroes or whatever? And I'm trying to think, well, well, it's not a job interview. I know, know I know, <laughs> but still, you know, just that, yeah, yeah. I, I, this isn't something I do. You right. Know? So, um, Something okay. Well, I've got. I can say you know Gandhi and all this stuff, and, and I do have a lot of these people that that I see as heroes. But 
like everybody has flaws, you know, and, oh, yeah. and, and, and even these people that you hold up so high have flaws. And, and, uh, I think just recognizing that, you know, I don't, you know, I want to be my hero to, the, I want to be a hero to my kids. Like cool. that, that's what I want. Right on. And, uh, and just trying to, trying to leave, you know, show them that I'm, you know, I'm trying, you know, like yeah. I, I had, you know, I had a, uh, a mother passed when I was young and, you know, so I don't, you know, I, I, you know, again, maybe a little bit more, but, but you think about it as you get older, it's like, Hey, I'm not here forever. And so you, you do, you want to, you know, you want to try what you, you know, what you can, when you can to try to make the world better. And, uh, yeah. And leave that on, leave that for your kids and, and whoever else who might be influenced by that. And, and, uh, yeah. So I find, I find a lot of passion in that. I mean, I, I, uh, remember it. So I, I had a, you know, I got my MBA at San Diego State and, and this big push about mission statements for this business, that business. And someone I recommended that you write a mission statement for yourself. Yeah, yeah. And I, that was like a really neat idea. And it was something along the lines of, you know, li- you know, it's a little bit cliche, but, you know, live to the fullest. and But to help other people to do the same thing, yeah. you know. And, and that is kind of what big picture what I want my life to be, you know. So, um yeah, I'm trying different ways to try to figure that out. Like what I do now, like during my day job, it's like, as far as I'm concerned, I feel like I'm protecting taxpayer money. I yeah. feel good about that. Yeah. You know, I feel like, okay, it's a small piece, but I'm adding. Yeah. I'm adding in a good way. And then, you know, you know, with my wife, you know, we, we try to, you know, make a better world with the kid for the kids, try to teach the kids new things. And, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's a, you know, we're incredibly, you know, fortunate. I mean, privilege like beyond doubt you know just you know with the life that that my wife and i have and uh you know i i've i've had experiences growing up where you know you kind of you recognize you know people's pain and and uh you know you you want to make sure that these people aren't forgotten and uh yeah yeah i mean you you see different parts of the world like i've traveled when i was younger to some poorer areas in the world and, and you see you know I told you I had this peace and justice minor, so I had this bent for quite a long time, and and you definitely want, you know, you, you want to make things better for other people. So anyway, that that's something that I feel passionate about. But I go home and I watch Game of Thrones. I'm not, I'm not there like every day. I don't want to yeah. pretend like I'm like you yeah. know Mr. Saint doing something. I'm definitely not. I, I but uh, you know people try, and that's all you can do. Well, that's very noble. I mean to to think that. You know, not to think, but to actually do, you know, by being a great example for your children, you know, showing that you can be outspoken, but do it in a civil and rational way that you express yourself to try to improve society around you, that you're brave and you're willing to take risks that you think are beneficial for yourself and the world around you. Mm. You know, that's uh, the opposite of cowardly. Right. That is brave. And I think that's a that's a superhero trait in itself. Mm. Well, thank you. No, I, I uh, that's something you strive for. You know, I would like I said, I was a shy kid. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I don't know that I would have thought myself a brave person. But regardless, I mean, this is what I'm passionate about. And, uh, you know, you just try to try to get other people to kind of maybe think along these same lines. So how can people get the book? It's available at uh, Amazon.com. It's just type in uh, 15 Reasons Trump, I think, or whatever. It's called 15 Reasons People Voted for Trump. Am I in this? 
in 2016 and why these don't apply in 2020. So, and, uh, and you can even like in the Amazon search, I looked up your name, Steve Dow. Yes, there is another author author named Steve Dow. I found <laughs> out. Uh, okay. So, but there 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 are two of us. But he he had a, a neat book there. But yeah, this is my my first foyer into uh, into writing a, a book. Well, congratulations for doing it. I mean, like I said, I think to say you're a published author is a big, big deal. Um, and I think it's great. And, oh, thanks. And I love having you know you on the uh, on the podcast because we like interacting with a lot of interesting people in the Rancho Bernardo Poway community. Sure. And so love having you on here. I just wish you the best of luck. And oh, thanks, John. And I hope this is the first of of many. Yeah, me too. Me too. I appreciate this. This is an honor to be on this podcast. It's uh, my wife told me I had fun, and she was right. Okay, good. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. All right, John. Thank All you. Right, bye bye. All right. All right. Feel good.